turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. <clears throat> Some of those social media stories out there that just shocks you and upsets you. And they always do, whether it's you know, a kid being eaten by an alligator, a two-year-old or a three-year-old. Um, whether it be a 25-year-old girl returning a engagement ring and then in the process getting stabbed to death by her boyfriend who didn't want it called off. Um, tragedies that happen to young people are, are horrific. They don't make sense. I had a philosophy teacher in college teach business ethics and on the first day of class he said, which do you guys want to read? Do you want to read Plato's Republic or do you want to read this $250 business ethics book? And all the students eagerly said Plato's Republic. And for a final exam, all we had to do was sit down with him. He would buy us dinner at a restaurant and talk about the book. Of course, we talked about the book in the 15 classes. It was once a week class for 15 weeks. I always tended to like those classes more than two a week or three a week classes. Um, that makes me laugh just to think about but on the first day of class, after we're all gung-ho and, you know, um, excited about having a textbook that costs four bucks in paperback uh, and business ethics being reduced down to a discussion of Plato's Republic, only to find out that Plato's Republic is a, a tough read, not brutal, but tough, and to figure out the logic lessons on, you know, people with shadows and people without shadows and uh, things along those lines, uh, what a wharf means. A wharf is like kind of a business center. And I know you're like, whoa, I didn't know that. But he proceeds to launch into, he had a, a, a son that was born and, you know, died in the first year of its life. And uh, he said, you know, I could 
I could explain Donald Trump, I could explain math, I could explain logic, I could explain, you know, uh, paying taxes, not paying taxes. He said everything in the world can make sense. But the one thing that doesn't make sense is the death of a child. And there's nothing that I, I there's not a day that I, I work in news, television news and radio news. And the television side particularly, it just has disturbing story after story after story um, of young ch- children dying. And I get someone who's 65 dies of cancer. That doesn't bother me. I get someone who pulls over, you know, drunk to sleep on the side of the road, gets plowed by a, a 18-wheeler. I get it. I'm not saying they deserved it, but I get it. Um, I don't get children. I never have, never will. So all the charity work that I do typically goes to children or animals, who I consider to be the two most innocent things on the planet. Um, and if you ever do harm to a child or an animal, I, I wish nothing but bad things for you. So, and if you ever hurt a child's childhood, I wish nothing but bad things on you. I see bad parenting every day of, you know, you're ruining the day for everyone. Uh, no, you as a parent ruin the day and not set boundaries with your kids that can shut them down. And not learning how to talk to them. Anyway, I bring this up in large part, again, to say things sometimes don't make sense. And that's something that you have to grasp and and feel good about. Now, on Wall Street, it always makes sense. Um, At the time, it may not feel like it, but it always makes sense. Um, You can understand things. Capitalism is the number one reason to invest in the stock market. And for all you people out there, and I know you're out there, I think the market's going 50% lower. I welcome you. Because you're jumping into the Darwinian wood chipper. You're looking at history of 100 plus years. See the markets go up. And you're saying, I think it's going to go down. I think you're a fool. I'm going to own gold. Instead of owning the stock market, which is trounced real estate. I'm going to own real estate. I'm going to own a duplex. I'm going to own a triplex. I'm going to get that radio guy or that TV guy who's got a commercial to uh, buy property. I'm going to get that guy, I'm going to give him my money, and he's going to make a killing on me in the transaction. And I'm going to own property in Dallas. You go down to Dallas, and Dallas is a pretty decent economy. And Dallas isn't bad. But Dallas has a lot of land. I own property in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I also own property in Vancouver, Washington. I also own property in California on the coastal side. They're all different properties. And the one thing I can do is be honest with you um, and tell you I don't expect any property growth in value in, in Raleigh. It's close to three hospitals. Awesome. Check. It's close to jobs. Check. It's close to tech jobs. Check. Everything you want to hear. It's close to low cost of living. A lot like Seattle, a lot like Portland, a lot like Denver compared to California. Compared to California. <clears throat> so... Raleigh's got, you know, compared to Washington, D.C., a good place to escape if you're a first-time graduate where you're not going to drown. So I'm honest enough that I can say, realistically, I'm not going to get a lot of growth there because there's a lot of land there. And then I look at the recent tragic events of Hurricane Matthew, and, you know, Raleigh got eight inches of rain. Raleigh can deal with that. Um, so you have to always look at what you get what you expect who's making money off you thoughts along those lines 
and try to make sense of it. Um, the capitalism angle is a powerful one because the markets work. And if you were to put a gun to my head and say, what do you want to own for the next 30 years? Stocks, bonds, or real estate, I'm going to say stocks. You're going to say, why? Because in the last 30 years, stocks have trounced real estate and bonds. In the last 60 years, stocks have trounced real estate and bonds. Now, there's going to be some... some uh, it, it doesn't always play that way. But typically, it, it, it does. You can break the rules, per se. Uh, you could have bought a, you know, an apartment building in San Francisco in uh, right before the big earthquake. And you probably did pretty well, <laughs> really well. Now, if you bought it the day after the big earthquake, or, you know, probably did very poorly. Sometimes it's timing. Um, so there's always uh, ways to break the rules. And there's always ways to get lucky. Um, but again, if for the next 30 years, if you were to ask me what I want to own, it's going to be... Now again, if you were to ask me very specifically, would I rather own an apartment building in Portland or you know, large cap companies? I might have a different answer for you. But generally speaking, stocks beat bonds, bonds beat real estate. Amazon's opening physical grocery stores in a move that could upend the supermarket industry. They've got one that they're working on right in my hometown. Um, it's a drive-in location where it's all about convenience. So you order your groceries, you drive through, and they put them in your car for you. Um, that's fascinating to know. Um, I started the segment with a very odd concept of things that make sense and things that don't make sense. And capitalism makes more sense than an individual stock. Capitalism makes more sense than a sector. Uh, in America, in the United States, we run businesses not to lose money forever and ever. Maybe Trump did. But typically in the United States, you don't lose money forever and ever. Um, and you write the ship when you can and how you can. Capitalism makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of logic in it as far as investing in the stock market. I'm Ron Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So, one woman in the United States has the Guinness World Record for long fingernails. And I often wonder why. Do you want to take a guess how long her fingernails are? Take a guess in your head. What's the combined length? 23 feet, 11 inches. She's got 10 fingers. So let's just call that 24 feet of fingernails. It's disgusting looking. It's wrong for all the wrong reasons. It makes no sense. Like, I get, like, saying, I'm going to break the world record for surfing. Oh, 
you know, Bethany Hamilton is famous for being a pro surfer. What's interesting about her is she lost the left arm to a shark bite arr, in 2003. Three weeks after that attack, she was already in the water. Um, she could make up for not having an arm with speed and everything by kicking more. So, what a role model, right? Now, I get that. I lost my arm to a, due to a shark attack while I was surfing. I'm going to become the world's best female surfer. I think that's great. 24 inches of toenails, uh, fingernails? Ugh. It, it's not use, It's not worth much. Anyway, I mean, what are you going to do with that? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I was talking about retirement in the last segment and kind of throwing that out there a little bit more. You know, you want to figure out how you're going to spend your first six months, 12 months, year, five years. You kind of basic idea. Uh, I think those are going to be the best years of retirement for me because I'll still be active. But I worry that, you know, 65, I've seen some 65-year-olds that look like 75, uh, so I start worrying about some of this. You got to figure out your health care costs. You got to determine your budget. You got to consider long-term care policy. You got to you know refinance your mortgage if you're going to do it. Add more to your cash reserves. But also, what you want to do is revise your investment strategy because your whole life you've been accumulating wealth. Now you're going to try to manage it. So preparing for retirement, you have to understand that you are focused on asset accumulation. Now you're in retirement, and you have to focus on distribution. I've got a family member who inherited about $2.2 million, and four years, five years later, it's all gone. It's all gone. They still have a couple things, the car with pretty low miles on it, in addition to the house that is still in addition to the house, unpermitted. But from taxes and, like, I want to give this person money, I want to give that person money, um, it's all gone. So know that it goes fast when you get inheritances. And for a lot of people, they blow it. Whether it's boob jobs, boats, what have you. I think the most interesting thing that I want you to think about with retirement is how you're going to keep yourself excited. Uh, Because right now you probably have the workplace doing that for you. I hear a phone call in one of my favorite lines from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He's in the hotel lobby, and the announcer the announcer goes, Phone call for P.W. Herman! Phone call for P.W. Herman! Um, but in this case, it's Sergio. Sergio, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rob. Uh, question. Um, I'm closing a, um, a sale here. I'm selling one of my uh, rental properties, and I'm closing uh, tomorrow. have some cash coming in. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to stick by the diversification model. You know, sure. I have, uh, stocks, bonds. Good. Do my 401k. Uh, quite a bit of it. And then I have also precious metals that I've been, uh, doing on the side, you know, a small percentage of that. And, um, and as far as real estate, I did keep, uh, uh some property, but, uh, I did liquidate a couple because I just felt like it's time to do that myself, uh, not to be so heavy on the real estate and, and try to cash out and sit on some cash because I'm thinking maybe there's somewhere else you can put this cash uh, when something happens here in the near future, which is kind of what we're due for from what I'm thinking. So what do you think, Rob? If, if I'm sitting on 
uh, nice handful of cash. What, what do I do at this point? Uh, 40 years old. I make good income. Um, very, very low debt. What do I do with this cash? Sounds like you're doing great, first and foremost, and thanks for the call. Um, I'm unlike you where I would never... S- if you want to have a cash position, there's no shame in that. But make it like 5% of your investments, your securities investments. Keep it in the brokerage account. Maybe if you have a gut feeling something's coming, you go with 10%. I personally would rather have a good weekend this weekend and not start thinking, oh, you know, let's take a look at the presidency and oil. And Rob's talked about auto sales and housing. And, you know, we're due for a correction, sure. If you want to raise a little cash, that's great. Um, I don't really know enough about you to give very specific response to this, like a bullet shot. Um, you say you've got some real estate. You say you've got some stocks. You say you have some bonds. So um, you make good income. You have no debt. Um, if, if, with your cash, if you had debt, anything over 8% I pay down um, because that's kind of the return you could expect in the stock market. It's double the return you could expect in real estate. Um, I feel that the stock market's a little overvalued, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have a good third quarter, if we have you know a bit of a recession in the economy um, and or a stock market off year, maybe a bear market, maybe a, a 10% correction, a 20% correction. I think that'd be normal and healthy, um, but you're 30 years old. In the end, you're going to look back and you're not even going to remember these corrections. You're going to remember and say, I wish I would have invested more. Not, you know, I wish I was timing the market better. Um, With that said, that's really tough for me to say that's what you should do. Um, I would look at maybe your portfolio. You can go to Morningstar.com, Morningstar.com, and punch it all in. They've got a portfolio x-ray analyzer that you can get two free weeks. you got to pony up a credit card to start, but you can cancel it after 14 days. Um, Fidelity's got something similar. Vanguard's got something similar. See what you're missing. Now, keep in mind these calculators by the Vanguards and the Schwabs tend to be a little more conservative. Morningstar tends to be a little bit more right on, and you could build in some expectations for inflation. You could put in some goals. It'll take you 40 minutes on a Saturday morning, maybe 50 minutes to punch everything in, um, and see if you're missing anything. And, you know, if you want to retire at 50, I don't know what you should do. Or you said you're 30. Let's say you want to retire at 40. And I don't you make it sound like you've got a lot of money, but I don't know what a lot of money to you, is to you. Um, I think for one individual person, enough to retire is two to four million in the state of California live on the coasts. So anything over that is a lot of money. Anything under that is you're on target. Uh, or if you're in the two to four million dollar range, you're on target. Anything less than that, you still got a ways to accumulate. I wish I could give you more advice. I'd sit down with a CFP, a certified financial planner, and or a professional that you trust that doesn't sell insurance. Uh, pay me for a couple beers, and I'll consider taking a look and give you a second opinion. Find me at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Your retirement needs a plan, but it can be hard to know how to even begin. By keeping your focus on just a few essential issues, you can increase your chances of enjoying a secure future. Step one, sign up for the free webinar, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income, hosted by New Focus Financial. It's Wednesday, December 21st, starting at 7 p.m. And during this hour-long webinar, you'll learn from certified financial planner Chad Burton how you can reduce risk with diversification. He'll give you tax reduction strategies and estate planning tips and let you know which bond alternatives and retirement products make sense in today's low-interest rate environment. 
You'll learn how to rebalance your portfolio in retirement and create a tax-efficient distribution plan. And you'll get tips on portfolio structuring, asset allocation, and more. Again, this is a free webinar, 7 p.m. Wednesday, December 21st, for about an hour. Go to newfocusfinancial.com to register now and take the first step towards a secure future. That's newfocusfinancial.com. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Someday you'll grow up and then you'll forget all of the pain you endured. Until you walk by a sad pair of eyes and up will come back all the hurt. And you'll see their pain as they look away. But there's just no way Cause you won the war So it's not your turn But everything inside still burns Never, never mind Bleeding heart, bleeding heart Never, never mind your bleeding heart So I've been talking about messaging apps Where Facebook's pretty dominant right now One area that you could start thinking about is voice apps, uh, voice messaging. <laughs> Sorry, I'm confusing myself at this point in time. The voice bot versus the messaging bot. Wow. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, one of the first times I used uh, WhatsApp. And WhatsApp's kind of cool because if someone's overseas, you can call them and check in on video, check in on voice. And... uh I remember one of the cool features is you could record your voice. It'll digitize it and send it out. As long as the person has some sort of internet connection, they'll eventually hear your voice, which is kind of nice. Apple has that now. They kind of copied it, but no one really uses it. You can send someone a voice message if you want, but no one really uses it. So who has the voice bot now? Apple's got Siri. Google's got Google Now. Microsoft has Cortana, and Amazon has Alexa. And I think Amazon's the most interesting one of them all. Amazon's strategy is the opposite of every other player. It's price subsidized. It's reliant on e-commerce and no text messaging. It could be the foundation for building or acquiring a messaging app down the road. Alexa's been built into everything for them at this point in time. And, you know, at one point in time you had to pay for a remote control they could talk to. And Amazon came out and made that super cheap. The dot. Um, everything Amazon does is pretty cheap. You're like, I can get the dot for like 40 bucks. I can have a digital assistant in my kitchen. And yeah, it's heavily tied towards commerce at this point in time. But again, Amazon is the first one that I could think of that put voice in a remote control. And now you see Comcast commercials talking about how great it is. And you could use different languages. The bots that matter today are largely recognizable brands 
and they rely on messaging apps and major platforms for distribution. So, again, you just keep seeing the same old names, you know, third-party chat, third-party chatbots. They could be Kayak or Expedia. Um, they could be Hyatt. Have you been booking a hotel ever and seen a chatbot come up? I use a financial services company called Hoover's. And the moment you pull up Hoover's, almost instantly there's a salesperson on the chatbot waiting to like try to upgrade your experience. So you have to have an iOS typically or some sort of technology platform based on it. First-party bots promise to reshuffle the deck in search as well as the way users discover information and services. So I think they're all kind of hoping that we move towards voice, which makes sense, or that we move towards video. When the Internet first came out, um, I was doing a radio show back in the late 90s. It was fantastic because I was doing this kind of show. It was a national show, and we got a sponsor who built websites. <laughs> his, his tagline was, if you don't have a .com, you're a dot .nothing. I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but I love it. The Internet back then was very much so brochureware, where you would go take a look at New Focus, take a look at KDOW. And slowly but surely, KDOW has been adding in like a news feed and instant messengers and things along those lines. Um, so search shouldn't be a keyboard. We should get to the point in the next five years where we don't have to use a keyboard. Um, that we could use everything, you know, voice command. Chatbots will be successful in the use cases where interactions are simple, fast, and easily automated. So you'll need keyboards for some things, right? But quick diagnostics, customer service. Uh, when can I expect my order? When is the repairman going to be here? E-commerce, you should be able to use a chatbot pretty much so right now to order flowers, to order, you know, open table. Love open table. Get online, book a hotel, not a hotel, but a dinner for like three months from now at the best restaurant. Can't get this month, but you can get two months from now. So chatbots and webbots should be all about making the experience a little bit nicer and a little bit easier. I think Alexa does that. If you used Alexa, Amazon's digital assistant, you could be in your kitchen and say, hey, Alexa, um, what's the weather going to be like today? And it's not fun right now. It's more like it will be raining from 8 a.m. till noon. But down the road, Alexa should be smart enough to go, rain, rain, go away. Or don't forget to take your umbrella today, Mr. Black. So better get that way. Or I'm going to be angry. Key question for messaging is, will the rest of the world follow adoption patterns that is clearly being set by Asia at this point in time? So the United States is not the leader in bots. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, so... I saw that the Museum of Modern Art in New York just opened kind of like an emoji exhibit. And you're like, no, a Lichtenstein's a Lichtenstein, but a, a happy face with ice cream 
cone is so many things. <laughs> There's a dirty interpretation for it. There's a cute interpretation for it. I guess Liechtenstein has the same thing, right? So consumers, especially younger consumers, love stickers and emojis. So in Asia, there's a company called Line, which is now publicly traded here, um, where people spend money on stickers, uh, where people spend money on emojis. So like a sticker could be a crown, like the crown from Game of Thrones. So um, Time Warner could sell you a sticker that looks like the crown from Game of Thrones, and you can get... 10 uses out of it, or maybe unlimited uses if you pay for that. And every picture you take, I could take a picture of my producer right now, and I could post it on Facebook, but I'll put a picture of a crown on top of him and say, King Mikey is ruling over the kingdom today. And anyone anyone who sees it will be like, that's so cute. So people are willing to pay for emojis, and people are willing to pay for stickers. Again, not me, but it's all about younger people. This music gets me so excited. Sadly, there's only, I think, 10 episodes left. Or something like that. They're going to do five or six next season and five or six to finish it. A lot of people want HBO to make a movie in the final episode. Like, you go to a movie theater and sit down and watch it. How's that for development, right? I guess you could say it's already been done with a couple HBO shows. Sex and the City had stupid movie after stupid movie. And uh, I think the rest of the development kind of went that way, too, on some levels. Uh, Vince, the L.A. show, I don't know which one that is. But they went to the movie theater, too. Anyway, um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So... Commerce and coin and virtual currencies are things that we look at. Subscribers are getting more comfortable with payments through mobile. However, adoption has fallen well short of what it's done in Asia. Again, Asia is the leader here. To purchase something in an app or online, that's a mobile transaction, right? Um, 55% of smartphone users have done that. To pay a bill, 54%. Um, to get a loyalty point. 29%. To send or receive money, 27%. Um, I love Apple Pay, and I love um, any sort of any sort of pay like that, right? PayPal online, or PayPal apps, pretty good. So whenever I see a, a retailer who has Apple Pay, I'm more likely to go to that retailer again because I love pulling on my phone and double tapping. And then the Apple's like, whoa, I didn't even have to pull out a credit card. So it brings in the question, will credit cards go extinct one day? Probably not in our lifetime. But I, you look back at the last time the Cubs were in the World Series, you know, a modern zipper wasn't even invented. Things change. You could take a look at, like, phone booths, which, what blight they were on urban cities. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything uglier, dirtier, filthier, germ-infested. And a good place for Superman to change, which still doesn't make sense. So New York City has come up with an idea of turning all those phone booths into, like, Wi-Fi hotspots, which is pretty cool. 
Have you ever paid for something by text? Have you ever sent money internationally with your phone? Uh, people like uh, ATMs still freak me out. So I'm not a big fan of the ATM. I'm not a big fan of the person who goes to an ATM and outside their network spends big dollars to get their own money. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Yeah. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Happy holidays. Fed meeting coming up on Wednesday. Ooh. It's going to be interesting about the Fed meeting. What's going to be interesting about the Fed meeting is that there will be some drama. Um, tied towards what do they say about the elephant in the room? And the elephant in the room, let me give you a couple quickies. Um, Lockheed Martin, their stock dropped today after Trump had a tweet about out-of-control jet program costs. So President-elect Donald Trump called out the defense contractor saying the tweet, in the tweet the F-35 stealth fighter program cost is, quote, out of control and that billions of dollars can be saved on military and other purchases. Now, we've all heard... You know, our government spends like $400 on one single hammer. And then the company that makes the hammer says, well, they only ordered one. If they ordered 400 it would sell them for a dollar each. <clears throat> we can't just fire up the, the factory for one. Okay, another elephant in the room. Okay, so Trump and Lockheed Martin. Work with me for a second. Beijing says it's seriously concerned after Trump questions the one China policy. So over the weekend... Donald Trump had a suggestion on Fox News that he questioned why the U.S. should continue to observe a one-China policy unless Beijing is willing to make concessions on policies that obstruct American interests. Uh, I'm okay. That's another elephant in the room, right? And you get into Boeing has a $16 billion aircraft deal with Iran that faces challenges. So Boeing's government... Boeing has government approval to fill Iran's air. That's their continental, so to speak, called Iran Air. It's a $16 billion aircraft order. It still may be grounded by Congress. President-elect Donald Trump, though, he criticized the Iran nuclear accord that has allowed the deal to take off and could eventually have a say on it. So the Federal Reserve's going to meet Wednesday, and they're going to raise interest rates. It's pretty well expected. And there'll be a news conference afterwards. And you can expect the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. That's, again, kind of... I'm not going to say it's a no-brainer. It's the biggest no-brainer in business. Okay, I just said it's a no-brainer. But will they also say, you know, we're concerned about next year 
on one hand, the economy looks great, but on another hand, if this president-elect continues to, you know, potentially cut billions of dollars out of the budget with companies like Lockheed Martin and Boeing, what impact will that have? And if they, if this president-elect says we may or may not have a relationship with China in the future, and China starts a trade war and starts manufacturing for cheaper for other countries, but not for us, if there's tariffs involved, what ramifications will that have? So since being elected president, he is also now taking on the CIA, and the CIA basically at the end of last week said, hey, it looks to us we have evidence that the elections were tampered with by Russia. Now, I have a friend who was on the radio show with me a couple weeks ago, and I'll let you guess who it is. Um, and during a commercial break, he said, I think Russia hacked the elections to get back at the United States because we messed with uh, them when they were in the Baltic, kind of uh, Crimean Peninsula. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me Russia hacked the elections. I'm like, what do you think that looks like? He goes, I think if you take a look at it, you know, there's only about 40 counties that swung to the president-elect's favor. And that's the difference of the election outcome of, you know, three states is about 40 counties. And I said, okay, I think you sound a little crazy, but I'll go with it. And uh, a couple weeks later now, we're hearing that the CIA says that Russia hacked the elections. Now, we know that they got some emails, and we know they distributed them on Hillary Clinton, and that they certainly did some damage. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, you could hopefully say that that looks obvious. Um, Emails that were thought to be private, which I certainly would hope that some of my emails that I thought were private, where I refer to my boss as a big dodo head. (laughs) Hopefully that doesn't get hacked and sent out to said bosses, but it could, so I have to keep that in in mind. Uh, So that's the big issue right now, in my mind, is will the Federal Reserve say, okay, we have this president who is taking on the CIA, basically saying, well, they once made claims of weapons of mass destruction. They weren't exactly right on that. The CIA is a pretty critical part of the uh, U.S. government, they are what's referred to as the tip of the spear when it comes to foreign information and that could be bad to the U.S. Um, I don't know if you want to take on the CIA and say that their information is bad when you're a president-elect, but I'm just saying that a lot of people have to be curious about 2017. Um, take your pick of the capital markets and, you know, We've done pretty well. Oil prices surging again today, higher. Over the over the weekend, non-OPEC producers agreed to cut their production by about 550,000 barrels. So the real mover is the surprising declaration from the OPEC producer Saudi Arabia that it intends to cut its production by more than that what it agreed to. So oil squeezing higher, fast. Uh, Twenty-eight dollars a barrel, thirty, thirty-five, forty, forty-five, fifty, fifty-five. That's double what it was this time last year. That should slow the U.S. economy somewhat. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.